Path Projects. We are excited to announce their newest short. It's based on their most popular short, the Sykes PX. And this is called the Sykes AT 5-inch short. It has this new fabric called the Torre Artastic fabric. That sounds fantastic, not artastic. <laughs> fantastic. Well, it's an ultra lightweight ripstop type of fabric, Scott. Yeah. And, and I'm going to translate that for you. What it really means <laughs> is it's highly breathable. It's moisture wicking. It's water repellent. It's quick drying. All these things is what you need in a short for the highest, best performance possible. This short, depending on size, is around 2.7 ounces, and it has lots of storage. It's going to keep you cool on the hottest summer days. And whether you're running the trail, the roads, or just doing chores around the house, this is the perfect short for you. And the Sykes AT short has that classic Path Projects fit. It's not too slim, not too roomy, and you can pair it with any of their base liners. Go to our partners page, click on the Path banner, and check out the full line of Path Projects shorts or shirts. Fantastic. You'll love it. Or go to pathprojects.com. Exoskin is what we're talking about. Hey, Scott, when you're going to the big dance, and what I mean by big dance is your big race, your PR day, or maybe just your long trail run with your best running buddies, that's the big dance. You need to make sure you remove every variable. And you have a gigantic dance coming up. here In, in, in less than three weeks, you're going to be running 100 miles in some pretty grueling uh, terrain and conditions. In fact, it has the formula for blister pie. Ah, blister like pie. <laughs> it's going to be wet. There's going to be some river crossings. There may be some snow involved here. There's going to be heat, blistering heat in the canyons. There's going to be dust. And you're going to be experiencing this for hours and hours. That is a recipe for blisters. Hey, and have you ever taken off a sock after you've been out there on a very, very dusty day and you've been sweating and you've collected all kinds of dust down there you take off the exoskin and have you noticed your foot is as clean as the morning when you put that sock on it's it's almost like magic it, it, it is and keeping those elements out of your foot for friction and irritation is the reason it works there's a lot of variables coming up with your big dance and these are some that you can scratch off the list if you use exoskin toe socks so before your big dance your big event you can get 25 percent off on your first order go to our partners page at trailrunnernation.com click on the exoskin banner use the code and you can get 25 percent off all right we ready yeah yeah, thank you, Don. You know, I mean, I, I, I didn't know what it was going to be like. You know, you sound like a nice guy on the podcast, but... Uh, but I know it's on the upper edge, and you guys have won a couple of awards, and... You, you're recording this, aren't you, Freeman? I get everything. All right. Are we ready? Yeah. Thanks for joining another edition of Trail Runner Nation. My name is Scott War. And I'm Don Freeman. And we have a great panel with us today, because we're going to talk about our favorite trail running companions our canine friends, the dogs. Right, Don? That's right. You know, I, I can't I can't think of an, any other trail running partner that is always enthusiastic, ready to go, and never has an excuse. <laughs> yeah. And always has a smile. I don't know how I can tell a dog smiling. Maybe we'll find out that later in this podcast. But my dog always seems to be smiling uh, and happy. 
if you know and, and, and Scott, I'm going to interrupt there just as you're <laughs> roll, rolling this together. You're right, and these two are about to share a bunch of fun knowledge with us. But I think dogs pass energy to us. We can read oh, their yeah. energy as much as their faces, and I think they send communication as we're sharing time with them. But that's further in the podcast. Go ahead and do the intro. So we have Victor Ballesteros. He's been on the podcast before. He's a a legend runner here in uh, Northern California. He's run Tour de Jeans. In fact, he ran the same year that Don ran. Um, he's run Western States. And we know his dog because we've been to a lot of events and we've met his dog, Lucy. And he's told us about how he runs races with Lucy. And so we thought, he's a guy we got to have on. And then our producer, Doug Mayer, introduced us to Soon Mai Vo, Dr no less, Dr. Sunmaivo, who's a veterinarian, uh, owner of Vox Veterinary Solutions in Seattle. And she has a lot of experience, not only as a veterinarian and dog lover, but also as an outdoorsman. And uh, we brought her on to validate some of the the ideas that we want to come up with. So Sunmai and Victor, thank you for coming on and talking about canines. And, and we've been Thank looking you. forward to Thank this you. show for a long time, haven't we, Scott? We've been talking about getting Victor on and talking about Lucy. And, and I think you, I have one correction to make. Uh, Lucy doesn't go with Victor. Victor goes with Lucy to these right, runs. Right, exactly. Uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm the weak link. <laughs> <laughs> it's, so it's Lucy's race, and you're there to uh, tag along. Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I'm I'm there to make uh, as a, a support. I'm her support human. It is are are you mewling for Lucy? Uh, actually, not when we race. No, because we we the races are usually about five k, so there's no need for me to carry anything for her. But when we go on longer expeditions, which I'm sure we'll get into, yeah, I'll carry all her stuff with me. Hey, one of the main questions that I have always been asked, and I see on all the forums out there, and we'll get get right into this and get your opinions, is what is the best running breed? So if you want, mm. if you're a trail runner and you say, you know what, I want one of these these running friends with me, what kind of breed should we be looking for, Sunmai? Hi guys, um, it's not so much the breed as the type of dog. Um, but if you're looking at breeds, it, you want a dog that has been bred for running and especially for distance running as opposed to being a sprinter. Um, you want a dog that isn't going to get overheated in the environment. So, for example, Malamutes and Huskies are great athletes, but not the best coat to run in the summer in California, you know, mm. so um my general recommendation is uh, shepherds, uh, hunting dog breeds, Labradors, um, dogs that just are a very attached to their humans and can keep up. You know, I'm glad to hear that because I've read some articles in preparation for this and they, they really point directions at very certain breeds. And I, I remember seeing Katra Corbett. She's a runner that's out there on social media. And she has these dachshunds that she goes on long runs with. And I'm thinking, dachshunds have like these little, my, my fingers longer than their, their legs. And they love running and running long distances. Yeah. Well, their noses, at least they're long, so they can breathe well. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, want, I want to add to that, that, 
You know, it's a it's a tricky question um, because I'm always feeling that people will look at those uh, like what's the best dog to run with, and then they'll really focus in on like a lot of pure breed dogs, and then sometimes they start thinking about purchasing the dogs as opposed to finding probably one of the best running companions at a shelter. So I am like the hugest, you know, proponent for go to a shelter and check out the dogs at a shelter. You know, don't necessarily feel like you have to go and invest money in a pure breed dog that is, you know, touted as being like the best runners. Um, you know, and, and if some people are like inclined that that's what they want to do, you know, so be it. But for me, like Lucy is a rescue and, you know, Max is a rescue. Now, Lucy just kind of, we fell into it running and I had no desire or focus to make her my running dog, but she just kind of became that and it just, it all fell in place. So um, yeah, when it comes to that question of like, oh, what's the best running breed? I'm always like, uh, you know, <laughs> it, exactly yeah. what, what Sumai said. I'm like said shaking my head. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. My favorite yes. running dog is a mutt. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And everything that you said, Sumai, you know, in terms of looking more at the construction of the dog as opposed to what the breed really is, you know, like a, a medium sized dog, one that's got kind of sort of a, a good lean build to it. Um, maybe one that's not like a, you know, like depending on where you live, um, you know, looking at the coat of the dog and how they're, how they're gonna be in the heat. If you live in a place where that's kind of the, the temperatures that you, you know, run in typically, yeah. And, and I've got, Oh, and and I, I started the podcast saying that there's special communication that happens between owner and dog, right? I mean, you know what the dog's thinking. Scott said, I can see my dog smile. And, and I've seen Coco. I, I haven't seen Coco smile like Scott sees Coco smile. So, you know, we as owners, we connect deeply. And I would imagine if you're in a rescue and you find a dog, that dog loves you and appreciates you beyond measure to take that dog from a shelter and move them to a trail. Oh my goodness. You have, you've made a huge impact on that, on that wonderful dog. Oh yeah. And then it's, it goes the other way around because they give that right back to you. Mm. Hey, Sue, Scott? Mike, you, you said something that I want to come back to when we're talking about the dachshunds, you said, well, a dachshund has a long snout. What did you mean by that? Is that an advantage for a running dog versus a pug? Yes, absolutely. When you think about air exchange and um, importantly, the soft tissue inside a dog's face, inside their head, um, short face dogs, so brachycephalics, um, have a lot of trouble breathing. I mean, a lot of them, you can hear them snoring and snortling as they're walking along and it's adorable, but it's not athletic and um, they can get into a lot of trouble. They overheat very easily because they can't get that air exchange well and the soft tissue is all squished up and gets swollen and I've seen quite a few of them end up in the ER because people have taken them on walks in the trail. Oh, wow. So Sumai, th this really sets the stage early on for this question and, and, and I would like to know what kind of guidance could you give us as a, as a doctor, as a veterinarian? We're enthusiastic, we get a new dog, we can't wait to bring it out on our favorite trail run. How long should we wait? Give us some a timeline of 
when is the dog ready? Because joints are still developing and soft tissues and yes. and growth plates and all that yes. technical stuff that you know about. <laughs> yeah, it's exactly. Those are the points that I was planning on making. Is, oh, good. Yeah, you know, dogs, they're like humans, right? They're puppies. And a six to eight month old puppy is like an eight to 10 year old human. Um, they're growing and exercise does have um, a lot of effects on the growing skeleton. And like you mentioned, the growth plates, if those are damaged, then you can have um, permanent uh, orthopedic problems. Um, what is a growth really plate, doctor? Tell, tell us what a growth plate is for those that, of us that studied something else. Growth plate is a technique called the physis of the bone. So it is an area of the bone that is continuously growing until you reach your full size, your adulthood. So those cells are constantly being replenished and stretching and being built um, as your skeleton grows. And if you damage those very sensitive cells, you can stop the growth too early. Mm. So you can have a shorter leg or a leg that grows askew instead of straight. Um, and that's why it's really important when you're thinking about, okay, I want to train my running dog. Um, you want to wait until on average for the size of dogs that we tend to take out on the trail, 15 months of age is when the last growth plate closes. So I know some people get all heartbroken because they say, oh no, I have to wait a year and a half to train my dog. Oh no, no training for the trail starts as soon as you bring your puppy home because one of the mm. most important things is the the behavior training the recall and the connection that you make with your dog because that's how you have a good running partner yeah i i i, I fully agree um and and i see so many forums where it's a picture of somebody and they're like oh, i just got my new trail buddy and we went out for a five mile run and i looked at them i was done but it looked like they could have got another 10 miles and then i'll ask how old are they and they go oh they're five months and i'm like uh, you know you have to really follow those guidelines that sunmai is 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 talking about um because you're gonna get the longest lifespan of a training buddy once you really do follow those guidelines and everything that she said about at, at once you get them working on that recall working on that uh, that eye that eye contact connection i mean that's a training um that's a training like uh, a teamwork building that has to happen before you get really get out on the trail and say all right you know we're gonna kill these next five or six miles yeah um the uh there's a lot of mind over matter when it comes to dogs meaning that they their brain will take over even if their body can't so if you are doing forced exercise with a dog which is basically anything that a dog would do that's not on its own so if a dog is alone in the backyard and chasing a fly and then stops and takes a break that's free exercise and then forced exercise is throwing a ball having a puppy run with an adult dog making your dog run after you forced exercise is is the hardest to for uh, a dog to control and they really can't control it because they want to follow you they love you you're their person oh we're going to keep running okay we'll keep going oh i'm tired but i don't feel it because my person is running ahead of me and i must follow <laughs> so i think that's really uh -huh. important as the human 
is to is to monitor your dog and say, okay, I know you want to do more, but we need to call it here. You know, it's like kids. Yeah, I know you want to stay up late, <laughs> but you should go to bed because tomorrow's school is going to be a hot mess. Yeah, I was going to say you become the the dog's coach. You need to be yeah. looking out for the dog's best interest because the dog isn't. Um, and, right. and I think that's really important. I found that with our, our puppy when, well, she's not a puppy anymore. Um, but I would take her on long hikes and she would just go as far as I wanted to go. And I probably took her a little bit too far and you know, it, it was not good. There was a little bit of recovery after those, uh, those times. So I, I like that, that point that we need to be aware of. And, and I want to bring up that piece about throwing the ball. Just because the dog comes back and wags its tail and is ready to go doesn't mean it should go. Just because it will doesn't mean it should. Can, can you, yeah. either one of you, talk about the limits of a dog and how, how maybe we could look into some cues that will let us know what our dog is really feeling instead of what it's trying to tell us? Well, I, I think one of like the quickest, easiest visual cues is just their panting. Mm -hmm. You know, how much does it like, how hard do they appear to be working? I've gone with both Max and Lucy and they have completely different temperaments. Max within 400 meters will just be <gasps> the tongue. His tongue is like the longest tongue I've ever seen in the world. Whereas Lucy's just like looking at him as like, oh, what, that's it? Come on, I've got a, I've got a few more miles in me. And I truly believe that she does have a few more. But then I see, I, I, I look at the way, you know, her lips start to curl back when she's really pant, starting to, to breathe hard, how much saliva is in her mouth, just the, the, the look in her eye. Like if you really pay attention to those, those things as much as you want them to pay attention to you, you start to really notice those little details. Yeah, dogs have facial features and, you know, most owners can recognize that. Um, and we use it a lot in pain management in veterinary medicine is facial features, scowl, the way the lips are folding or stretched back. But on the trail, you know, everything that Victor said is true. And um, the big red flat tongue when the tongue just gets so red and so expanded because that's the only way they can, they can cool down. Dogs don't sweat. So when you're running and you're sweating, imagine what it would be like if you're wearing a fur coat and couldn't sweat. <laughs> you know, like people forget, yeah. oh, I took my St. Bernard running and it's 105 degrees. I don't know why he's in the hospital now. So we have a lot of questions, at least I do right now about this running. We, when we go out on a long run, we think, okay, how much fuel do I need? Do I have water? Where am I going to get more water? And we take care of ourselves and we think of all of these things. What needs do our dogs have? Do, you know, we should consider that too, I believe. So can you give us some guidance on how do we make sure that our animal is as safe as we are instead of just taking them for granted? Like we put our shoes on and we go, shoes are good for 20 and we don't have to worry about them just as long as they don't come untied. But we, we need to care for the animal too and help bring them support. Give us some guidance on what to bring, how much to bring and when. Well, I, I, so I focus um, way more on water so that I bring some water and, and I'm going to speak specifically about Lucy because Max is, you know, he's a football player. He's, you know, good for, you know, <laughs> 50 yards, but, um, but, but with Lucy, I'll make sure that either I have the water with me or there are spots along our route, which I know are not dry 
you know, running creeks. And also really important that you don't want to find that that one creek that you used to go to doesn't have fresh running water because like leptospirosis is <clears throat> something that the dogs can pick up and get sick if it's stagnant water. There's also the blue-green algae that is really super dangerous for dogs to drink. Um, so, so water to me is really like, that's the most important thing. It, it depends on how fast you run too, as, a, as the person component, um, in terms of, of if you wanna bring them something to just notch on while they're running. But typically I, I don't really bring much for Lucy to eat and we're you know we, we go for like five maybe 10 mile runs and we're not hammering so you know she's not necessarily needing something to eat during the run but the water is really important and and i'm sure that soon my will talk to this about feeding them before and feeding them after i find that it's more important to think about like make sure they've got something to eat before they go out but i don't feed lucy like an hour and a half before she runs and like maybe an hour after she runs because then you run into a problem with what's called bloat. And um, so, yeah, so my, please, you know, take it away. Yeah, no, everything you said, and you have way more experience running long, long distances with dogs. I just do little short hour things or two, <laughs> but yeah, um, feeding is important and not doing it too close to running because bloat is a thing. And that's when their stomach, um, expands with gas digestive gases and fluids and in the worst case scenario you get what's called a gastric dilatation volvulus where it's not just bloating and getting bigger but then it twists mm -hmm. and that is an emergency and can be fatal um, so definitely be careful what you feed and how you feed and then you know eating after exercise you don't want to just wolf anything down as soon as you stop running because <laughs> it'll come right back up um, and then as far as the dangers of, like, like you said, water, I mean, yes, water is the most important thing. We know that's what sustains life. Um, but things like leptospirosis and giardia are all infectious diseases that you can get from water, usually standing water. There are vaccines for leptospirosis. There's different strains and the most common ones, vaccines do exist. So I highly recommend that if you've got a trail running dog, vaccinate for all those outdoor mm -hmm. things. There is no vaccine yeah. for Giardia. There was, it was ineffective. So that has to be managed if you get it and you get it. You usually diarrhea vomiting, which can be devastating if you're out for days in the backcountry for your dog. Um, I, I wanna get into the vaccines, but before we do, um, for those people, I, I actually, and I'm interested myself because I, I've, I've gone out on many runs with dogs. Um, how do you, um, feed them their water. So I had a, a, Don and I had a good friend that he, his dog, Sammy would come on, on runs with us all the time. And he always had two handheld bottles and his dog could drink out of one of the water bottles. He, he'd point it down and squirt at the dog and the dog would just suck all the water out of his bottle. Um, how, how do you guys, um, recommend giving the dog water? Besides the standing water in the, or the, not the standing water, but the Creek water and that sort of stuff. Uh, Do you carry I, a bowl? You, know, you can. They've got like little, little collapsible cup type dealios that you can just run with. And when it comes to, you know, like when I, when I run with Lucy, it's such a different experience than when I run by myself. When I run by myself, I'm, I'm just, I just go. 
I start my watch or whatever, and I go and I don't stop for anything. I don't stop to get a drink and all that, any of that stuff. It's like, that's my training. But with Lucy, she doesn't, you know, she can't necessarily say, hey, you know what, I'm thirsty right now. I mean, she gives me those signs, but, you know, she maybe have been thirsty a mile previous. So we'll just stop. And I'll pull out the little cup and I'll pour the water and I'll offer it to her. If she doesn't want it, then I pour it back in and we keep going. At some point, I do you want some water? And she'll just, then she'll start drinking it up. But it's really simple. I mean, I, I, I usually also don't run with a running vest. But when I run with Lucy, I'll bring my vest and I'll just stash all her stuff in it just so that I, I'm prepared for her. Mm, that's good. Are, yeah. are, are you aware, Sunmaya, of any, any cool little gadgets that you could take on your run that would help with with water and i mean i've seen a few but i would call them that just gadgets you know like there's there's these cups that you can attach to any water bottle that you buy at like the grocery store at the gas station and you kind of flip it down it's like this tongue that flips down um and the water just runs down this tongue and the the dog can drink out of that but i mean when i'm running with Tila, the dog that I run with, um, she's a really good at finding water sources and will kind of like disappear for a few seconds. And she's very trustworthy. So I know she's going after something worthy <laughs> most of the time. <laughs> and then she'll come back with muddy, wet feet. And I'm like, oh, okay, you found some water. Cool. Um, but otherwise, you know, she drinks out of whatever we have. She asks for it. Or, you know, when I'm drinking, she kind of looks at you and says, oh, about me. And then I just squirt water in a little stream and she's really good at drinking it, whether it's my camelback or just a little water bottle or whatever I'm carrying. Yeah, sometimes I've even gotten myself in a position where I just use the cup of my hand and mm -hmm. I just pour the water slowly and, and she, she gets, she, she can lap it up, it works. Yeah, they're resourceful. Hey Scott, it's time for another True Form Runner update. And that's where I put myself from the very comfortable couch in eight weeks onto a mountain running trail with over a hundred miles to cover. And we've brought Mark Kukazella on the line here because, well, he helped start this whole thing off. The orig origin of this, we, we, we had a discussion many months ago about can someone train purely with a true form runner and since it's his fault we decided he should come on and explain himself you know one thing don i think the true form will be really you know if you've had a month with it you know because you're three weeks out you know I, I haven't done a hundred miler but i've done a lot of longer runs ultras and trails so i think your your quad damage especially with the descents uh, you know you guys agree or disagree but that's probably the limiting reagent not like how much glucose or food you have in your pack or water but it's how much damage your quads have taken before they just say uncle. But, you know, so you really learn how to use the posterior chain. And I think neurologically you're going to feel that and like, okay, my quads are a little tired. You'll be able to make that switch to just change your gait a little bit, whether you're on a, just a flat section, because you can be using your glutes and posterior chain, even going down the hill more, but certainly on the climbs, you're going to be, you're going to be tuned in now. You you won't need to tap tap into your quads at all on all the uphills because you've learned to use your glutes and just feel what it's like to run with them, and then well, just try to reproduce that on the climbs and the flat. 
Dr. Kukazella, you said it right there. That's exactly what I'm experiencing. When I put my foot down on that treadmill, I need to physically pull that belt underneath me. And I'm doing the same thing out on the trail. I can physically put that foot down and pull that trail underneath me, engaging those core muscles on the, say I'm striking my right foot, my left core is stabilizing and my right glute and right hamstring are pulling that trail underneath me. It's a great experience and I'm having a lot of fun with it. What'll be cool is after about a month, like just pick a route that you know what your usual time is, you know, and just go out and just turn off your watch, you know, don't look at it. But then when you get back, see if without any extra effort on some usual route you've done like 50 times, you'd be like, oh my gosh, I'm like five minutes less. But yeah, I've seen that, especially with some of the youth, you know, who have these massive engines, but they just don't have motor coordination and they just learn a little mechanics and and they'll drop like 30 seconds a mile, you know, just without doing any more training. It's because they already got the, they're like kids, right? They've got plenty of strength. They just like, like shooting free throws, you know, you keep breaking it and it's not about practicing more, you know, horrible technique free throws. You just get worse. You know, then they, Oh geez. Well, Dr. Mark, you've got to really got to remember part of this, this up training for me isn't, just improved gait, but it's also improved fitness. And that's where I'm getting a lot of the benefits. So here's my question to you. When you run a mile on the true form, what does it equate to a mile out on the road? Is it, is it 15% harder, 25% harder? Do you have any idea of the training benefit that you get from a true form? Yeah. Like a true mile. Like if you have the, the, you know, the interface on, a mile on the true form is way more work than a mile on the road. So it's, right. kind of, it's not even equivalent as far as, you know, if you have an hour to work out, you know, your, your amount of, especially if you try to go faster because there's this linear increase in effort with speed on the true form, which is different than on the road. So it's, you got to do a lot more work to go faster, but that's fine because then when you, when you get onto the road, so, so I wouldn't think about, well, I only did 10 miles when you think you need a 15-mile day if, if the time equivalent was the same, especially if you kind of mixed it up. Just, you know, you guys know about time on feet when you advise people, you know, mm-hmm. go spend four hours on your feet this weekend, you know, on some irregular terrain and come back and have breakfast. Don't worry. Oh, is it I'm supposed to do 23 miles today because some schedule told me so. Mm-hmm. Just go. Um, inst- yeah, it is more work. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, I think what's actually important, there was a researcher down at uh, South Carolina did some research on it about the metabolic effort. So you could put in, you know, like a 15 metabolic effort run, you know, that's a hard run and even try to ramp that up and you get the physiologic effect. But as you know, like if you like went all out physiologically on that treadmill for an hour, like you had, you fell off that you were so tired your legs aren't damaged. It's more of like a, a physiologic effort than a, you've trashed your legs. Like if you went out on the trail and ran as hard as you could for an hour up and down the hills, you'd wake up the next morning and something would be sore, right? Something would be like really sore because you tweak something, you ran downhill, all this eccentric motion. So you can put in a really hard effort without, so if you had to train up really fast for something just to get into shape without 
breaking yourself down. It's like swimming in a way, like, you know, it's a, a lot of physiologic effort, but or cycling in a way, like you don't have that mechanical kind of load. And if you're curious of what this true form runner looks like, you can go to trueformrunner.com and take a look at videos. You can see some instruction. You can look at all kinds of people getting on it and making it work. Now let's get back to the show. Yeah, I, I want to talk yeah. a little bit about uh, shoes because we, we've had many conversations, all of us, on the trail about shoes. But what about dogs? What about their feet? What about the different terrain we run in? Sometimes there's sharp rocks. Sometimes we have to put rock plates in a shoe, or at least they come equipped with them, because rocks can be sharp. And so there, there's an extra measure of protection. But dogs just have their paws. So what can you teach us, hip us to, you know, kind of tip us off on what should we be thinking about so we can protect our dog's feet? Oh, me, oh, well, <laughs> dogs, yeah. dogs are built with their own sneakers, but yeah, the sneaker sole can be sensitive. So, you know, those paw pads are, are filled with fat and then this nice rough uh, exterior that's pretty resistant to a lot of abrasions and cold and heat to some degree. So I think it's really important to a recognize your dog may need to work some gentle calluses into its paw pads. So again, you have to be the limiter. Um, and then if you're running in ice and snow, for example, the hard part about that is um, snowballs that gather in their feet and can be very painful. Um, and I don't know. I don't know what you're talking about. A snowball. Oh, I know. So, I know. So yeah. when you're running in snow, you've got this mix of water and 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 frozen water particles, like just just snow, um, yeah. and they can gather in between the paw pads, mostly because of the hair that's there um, and just the depth of space between the paw pads, and so snow and ice can build up and get caught in between the toes, and it's like building your own rock between mm. your feet. So if you're running in, in snow, like when you're trail running or backcountry skiing, like I do, every once in a while, you'll see your dog kind of stop and hold the paw up and you're like, oh no, what happened? And it's a snowball and you and have so to you can, gently you, you warm can, it up. You yeah, you warm it up out. and then remove yeah. it. And usually that's all that needs to happen. You, know, you can have snow injuries, but those are relatively rare because of the physiology of how dog paws work. I'm going to do that, Scott. When I get tired on our runs, I'm going to, I'm going to claim snowball so you can come hold my paw. You're, you're going to raise one of your feet up. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's sweet. Take a picture of that when you do it, yeah. please. Um, yeah, I've, 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 I've noticed with my time running with, with our pups that, yeah, building up those calluses too, because I've gone some stretches where Lucy and I don't really do a lot of running. And I've seen that her foot, her feet have gotten tender again. Mm -hmm. So she kind of has to work it back up. And I've run into my own mistakes where we went a little too long and I saw a little bit of that abrasion starting to happen. Um, I've gone uh, one year at Western States. We ran the 6K Hill Challenge and came back down. And once we got onto the pavement, I immediately put my hand on the pavement and I was like, man, that pavement, that, that's hot. Even the trail gets super hot. So, you know, their little paws are on, you know, who knows what the temperature of those, of those um, surfaces are. 
but you know that does some serious damage quickly so it's one of those things that you always have to be mindful of but what what sumai was also saying about being on the snow i've had it happen with lucy where she was just going nuts with a friend's dog like 10 minutes and lucy was not used to the snow and all it took was 10 minutes for her to get her little pads a little you know abrased um and then we just put a little bit of the um squirrel nut butter <laughs> to kind of <laughs> like mushers wax yeah, yeah. so only better <laughs> <laughs> it's edible too. No, yeah. I'm joking. Yeah. <laughs> the um to quickly touch back on the heat, if you can't hold your hand down for five seconds on a surface, it's too hot for your dog's paws. Ooh, that's that that's that, a good that's pointer. a good rule of thumb. No pun intended. That, or that's rule of good. paw. And, and we and we we actually have booties for her when it is when we go out and we know like it's it's going to be hot there's no doubt about it and so lucy t has totally taken to the booties i know some dogs they're really awkward and they're like oh, like ducks but um but yeah did you have to train her idea. did she have to get used to them or did she get she she just took, took to them to right it. away yeah took to it that yeah. that's my question soon my and and victor um so i have made the mistake and um gone on some long hikes with my dog and too long and have really abrased the pads so that when we got back, I mean, poor dog didn't walk around the house for a couple of days and, and, and actually I had to put a cone on her so that she wouldn't lick her paws because they were just pretty beat up. And so we thought, well, let's get her some of those little booties. And we tried that and it was more pain watching her trying to walk around in those booties than it was with the abrasions. Is there a, is there a, a way that you can ease your dog into wearing booties? Yeah, it's just like anything else. You put them on, reward them, distract them. Okay. Uh, have them get used to it somewhere comfortable at home where they know uh -huh. the substrate and they're not trying to figure out yeah. the trail with these new shoes on. Um, yeah, it's just desensitization almost, you know, and some dogs never take to them. Some dogs refuse it. And, right. you know, the biggest complaint we have is I spent 50 bucks on a pair and I lost them within the first hour of being on the trail. <laughs> so you can always find some extras on the trail somewhere if you're looking. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're, they're definitely, they're hard to keep on if you want to try to run with them. Yeah. But if you're just walking around, they're great. Anything, since we're on the paw, is there anything we should know about the nails specifically, dog, you know, toenails? Some dogs, you know, they, they just manage them by staying active. Some dogs, help us help us out. What kind of things should we know about that since we're down at the paw? The longer the nails are, the more likely they are to get caught on something and crack. Oh. So I, I do recommend that nails be kept short if a dog's not keeping them short enough. Um, I'm sure Victor can tell you how often he needs to or doesn't need to trim his dog's nail. Well, well, if we, when, when we take breaks, I mean, we take breaks. Um, you know, I'm not out there running, you know, every hour with the dogs. Um, so there are some times when the nails start to grow a little bit and I can notice that when she's active, they, they pretty much take care of themselves. Um, but when they're starting to get a little longer, we'll just keep them. We, we're very careful about cutting it too short because then you're going to get into where the quick is and that's painful for them as well. Um, it, it's, it's kind of a, you got to really look at your dog because every nail is different. Quicks grow differently. 
you just have to be very careful. You don't be too crazy and like really cut the nail. I mean, you don't cut a dog's nail like we cut our nails. <laughs> I mean, we cut our nails down to the point where, you know, it's short. Uh, but dogs, yeah, their their quick is a lot longer in the nail. It's just a matter of being being aware of it. And the quick does grow with the nails. So the longer the nail gets, the longer the quick grows. And that's why if you wait too long, then the quick is really long yeah. and you've got you're stuck with a dog with really long nails. But you can make it uh, fall back by just gently cutting tiny, tiny little bits at a time or even filing or using a Dremel. Um, they, yeah. they sell special quiet Dremels for dog nails. Um, and you can just do little by little and eventually the quick will go back. But it's best to keep up with it as best you can. And then just remember also the nails that may not be touching the ground. Uh, dogs have thumbs in their front paws and some dogs have uh, what's called dew claws, which look like thumbs. They're vestigial usually. So they could be super floppy or they could even have a bone in it or not. Um, and those are the ones that don't make contact with the ground and they can really curl around and, and, and grow too long. So keep an eye on those nails that don't get worn down by running. I, I don't mind yeah. asking the dumb questions because it's kind of my job on this podcast. And, <laughs> and I don't know what a quick is, what it looks like, or so maybe you can uh, uh, catch us up on that. Yeah, so the quick is a term that we used for the nerve and the blood vessel that feeds the nail bed uh -huh. and grows along with the nail. Um, and because there's a vessel and a nerve, if you cut into that, it bleeds and it hurts and your dog will probably never forget it. Mm. Um, so it's, um, it's very difficult to see. Um, if you look at your own thumb, you see that there's pink tissue where the nail itself is attached and then your the white part of your nail isn't attached to anything and that's the part that you cut the white part and that's essentially what a dog's nails looks like um and then the quick is if you imagine a little blood vessel and a nerve in the center there that's growing um it's hard to see unless you're looking at the bottom part of the nail as you're trimming you'll get this little white spot that will turn pink and eventually bleed and that's what the quick looks like um, the tough part is if you've got a dog with black nails, then you can't mm -hmm. see how close you're getting to that pink and white, um, level. So I imagine anybody smart enough to download a podcast can Google, um, what a quick is and get some good images. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And there's good tips about how to cut your, trim uh -huh. your dog's nails and tricks and yeah. distractions and, or. Or go to your veterinarian. And or go to a vet. <laughs> you know, we, we worst have, case scenario, we have drugs that can help us get those nails. Yeah. <laughs> we, we we go to a vet and our vet has showed us how to, to trim. I mean, say, okay, this is what you do. And um, frankly, for me, I'll pay him to do it. <laughs> because yes, it's so much easier. And you'll easier bring him to me and I'll make it. my nurse do it because I hate doing it. <laughs> oh, I, I hate doing it too. <laughs> hey, what can what can we learn about watching a dog to make us better runners? I think I think intuitively they have such innate skills and intuition about running. You know, a young dog will just flat lay down on the grass and say, I'm done. I mean you know, they know and they, they'll, they, they know better than us if we listen to them and let them. But what do you think some of the things that we could benefit from learning to listen to our own bodies by watching them? If that is even a question, I'm not sure. Victor's pretty good at rescuing me from my, my rambling. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, 
So what I wasn't expecting to have happen when I started running with Lucy was that she would truly become a team member mm -hmm. and that she and I would really have to lock in together so that she would keep steady on the trail. And by her connecting with me on the trail, I would lock in with her and what her body movements were doing. Sometimes I even started to, to, to detect when she was, there was something down the trail that I had no idea. And then I'm like, I'm watching her body language and she's so focused and alert. I, so I've, I've trained her to actually slow down. She has a command, it's just called pace. And so, you know, she'll, she'll go out of the gate like a bullet, <clears throat> but I know that she's not gonna sustain that with me for very long, so I'll tell her pace. And so she'll get into a rhythm, a really good rhythm, and then all of a sudden I'll, I'll, I'll notice a change just by, just by checking in with her. And sure enough, maybe it's a deer, maybe it's a squirrel, maybe it's another dog or another person or a mountain bike. Um, but I, I, I see a, a, a focus that helps me in my own focus when I'm out there because we're working together on the trail. Um, and and uh, I guess like that's the best I can really, you know, it's like, it's just that the connection that we create with each other, me and this other wonderful creature that is um, kind of connecting the bond that we're having out in nature. Does Lucy make you a better runner? Absolutely. Oh yeah. And you know, all dogs are different. You know, Lucy is a little bit of an anomaly because she, once she goes, she'll stay focused on that trail. Mm. She really, she, she, she hits distractions, but she doesn't go tearing off to the distraction. She, she speeds up. So she'll see a deer, but she won't go for the deer. She'll just speed up out of the excitement <laughs> of there's the deer, but she'll stay on the trail. And, um, yeah, she's, she's, she's made me stay really honest mm -hmm. sometimes when I'm like, eh, I'm going to slow down. Come on. We're just, it's an easy run, but she like, she's focused and I'm like, all right, cool. I, I will slow down if she slows down, but if I slow down and she's like, uh, -uh we're going, <laughs> then that's like, all right, game she's, on. Let's she's do keeping it. you honest. Soon my, I, we, we kind of skip back you on the, on, on that uh, answer and you look like you had something to share. Oh, no, I was just saying that I am a dog lover first before I'm a runner, and I much prefer to be following a dog because, and that's why I run. I run because the dog wants to run, and I'm like, okay, we're doing this. <laughs> <laughs> so I essentially became a trail runner because I followed a dog around and the dog was like, I'm bored. We got to go. Enough of this walking stuff. Let's go. <laughs> hey, Let's talk about that. I think that is one of the most fascinating things, and Don can tell his story about his daughter's dog. Um, but but um, we, Don and I had a friend that, that had this dog named Sammy, and Sammy loved the trail, loved it. And Sammy knew the night before when it was going to be a running morning. And Sammy would be at the, 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 the bed waiting for Jeff to get up because Sammy knew it was a running morning. And I don't know how Sammy knew it was a running morning other than maybe 
he filled up a water bottle the night before or something. I don't know. But Sammy knew the the days that weren't running mornings, Sammy would stay in in in, in his bed. Well, so and and Don has a story. Well, well, tell us about well, that. Well, the reason Roscoe knows it's a running morning is because we tell Roscoe the night before. And, and how do you do that, Don? That's the funny thing. Yeah, we want to go for a good boy run. And then he knows that he's at my door whining for me to get up and get out because <laughs> it's a good boy run day. And and that's all. We're just telling him. So I'm convinced that he's yeah. he understands English, he speaks it, and <laughs> he understands at least his vocabulary is large enough for good boy run. And he can remember the next morning it's time to go. <laughs> Lucy, Lucy knows when I'm putting out her harness, mm, uh-huh. she has a very specific racing harness. And so I'll put it out the, the day before and she starts to, I can kind of see in her head. She's like, <laughs> Oh, we're, something's going to happen in the morning. And sure enough, I wake up early and, you know, I get her gear together and we head out the door. And if you could only see how she reacts before, like when we get to the venue, if it's going to be a race, how she turns into there, there's there's images of um, of uh, sled dogs who are getting ready to pull and they're just going nuts and they're just barking and howling lucy goes ballistic i i have to kind of really the only time in her life that i have to really reel her in and she howls and she howls and then once it's Five, four, three, two, one. She even knows what five, four, three, two, one means. Uh-huh. If she hears it on the TV, she'll whip <laughs> her head and be like, what, what, where? I gotta go. Um, but yeah, but, but she takes off like a bullet. She doesn't screw around. She doesn't like go to the other dogs or nothing. She just takes to the trail. So it's not all dogs are gonna be like that, but you know, it's it's one of those things. But yeah, she knows. She knows what's going to happen. Hey, they're not hey. all Lucy's, but they're all something. They all have something special. So just because you're yeah. not with a Lucy, your your companion has its own unique, amazing characteristics. Absolutely. And so, you know, hopefully we'll be able to spend a little bit of time on the sport of candy cross. But um, so candy cross is basically a sport that's really huge in Europe. And it's literally, you're running, you're tethered to your four-legged companion, so your six-legged team. And we've been fortunate enough to put together a few events. There's a couple of other racing outfits that put some events together. And there's all different body types, dog body types, and they, they all actually manage to go out of that gate. And it's not as chaotic as one might think it would be, um but it's it's something to see it's it's super exciting and yeah it's like everybody has their abilities just like we do in in our in our trail running you know when for everybody you got the front of the pack middle pack back of the pack and everybody seems to make it work for them so yeah i see people with little short dogs and they take their time with their little short dog and they're not gonna speed through the course but they finish and they have a blast so I want to rewind just a little bit um, because you've ta- we've taken for granted that Don and I have been ta- have talked to Victor about these races before and, and at length before about these. What did you call it again? Is it called Canyon Cross? Can- can- canny Cross, like, like canine cross country. Okay. 
Canny Cross. Canny Cross. Yeah. And Canny Cross. And Sunmai, you're from Switzerland originally? Yes. Did did you know that this this thing existed? I had no idea. I learned about it recently when I was looking up harnesses, like running harnesses for dogs and leashes. And all of a sudden this link brought me to Canny Cross and I was like, what is this thing? <laughs> it's amazing. So, the videos are amazing. So tell us a little bit about it, uh, Victor. How long are these races? And, and you're tethered. Explain the whole canny cross. So, so, so typically, um, they're from five to eight kilometers. Um, and there's different, um, there's different types of, 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 of events running with your dog. Essentially, it, it, it was born out of the off-season for, the, uh, um, for dog sleds. Dog sled dogs off season. What are we going to do? Well, we'll get on like a, a cart with wheels and the dogs are going to pull us. And then somebody thought, well, I'm not going to do all the dogs. I'm going to do a few. And I'm going to get on my mountain bike. So that's uh, Bjoring, I think, is the way Bjor to pronounce Yoring? it. Is it Yoring? Bjoring. Is it Yoring? Just Yoring? It starts know. with a B. I know there's ski Yoring <laughs> with dogs. <laughs> yes, and, and you can ski with the dogs. Um, and then somebody was like, hey, I'm just going to run with the dogs. And so you can run with one or two. Um, but essentially, it's about a five to eight kilometer um, distance. It's it's tends to be um, it's always on trail, um, very uh, cross country esque. And, um, you know, they usually they, they get so involved in Europe and the events are so huge they'll 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 do it by small groupings and so like group of you know a, a, a 10 10 teams will go out another 10 teams go out 10 teams go out but i mean that's yeah it's it's an it's amazing to watch it's amazing to watch how fast some people can go with their dogs and and, and how are you tethered so you have a very specific harness the harness for the dogs is um is very much like a a a dog sled harness it takes all the pull off of their front so you're not screwing with how their natural shoulder movement is you're not putting any pressure on their neck it's really about how much they can pull and then you have a a, a bit of a, a a bungee type tether that's usually around six feet long and then you have a harness yourself so if you do it right your harness your person harness is very much like a mountain climbing harness so that the pull isn't on your back it's really around your hips it's around your core and the idea is you want your dog to pull you as hard as it can <laughs> really and you want to be as light on your feet as you possibly can some of the some of the champions are like 12 year old kids because they're light they're you know that's a good fast age for a lot of a lot of folks and and the dog is is taking you <laughs> so fast you just gotta stay on your feet and don't fall on your face and you ride oh. the dog is there an option to ride if you're small enough <laughs> yeah if the dog's big enough and you're small enough sure you might get away with I that think i'd have to wear a helmet if i tried that <laughs> Hey, I, I have a question for you, Victor, because I, I got the chance to go out to see you at one of your races because you were out here locally, yeah. and it's pretty exciting. There's all kinds of people out there, all kinds of dogs, and a lot of them. Can you share with us what the mentality mentality or, or the thought process, the experience of the dog? Are they aware they're in a race? Are they racing? Do they know what's going on? 
Yes, 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 and yes. I mean, some of the dogs are just there because their people are there and they probably could really care less. Um, but like I said with Lucy, I mean, if you could see behind me, this is Lucy's wall. These are all of her awards. She's got about 20 awards up That's here. That's more than you, Victor. She, That's more than you have. She, yes, it is. <laughs> She's yes, more is. decorated than you. <laughs> she, she, she knows what's going on and she won't let anyone pass her unless I'm the weak link, unless I'm the, the dead weight. And, 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 and it's happened recently. And I, I, I had to apologize to her once we were done and tell her that, I can, you know, I'm sorry if my, uh, my physique has uh, changed a bit. Does she, does she look back at you like, come on, what's going on? Let's get this thing going. She, she sure does. She sure does. She looks back. If somebody's catching up to us, she will look back at me exactly with that expression of like, what's going on? Why is this person passing us? Um, it's, it's, it's amazing. I don't know. It's yeah. It's, is, is your fastest cool. 5k with her or without her or 10k? No, my fast. So she, we do have a 5k PR of 17 flat. Ooh. Wow. And, um, my, my, my fastest is years ago, which is just a little bit faster than that. So I really do believe she pulled me along probably, I want to say five seconds to 10, maybe faster than I would have run per mile. Wow. Just because of that momentum and, and just staying light on Plus my Plus the age difference. She, she took an old man instead of a young uh, elite athlete. <laughs> right, yeah, that's yeah, right. Cause, cause that's Victor's right. no slouch. Yeah. And anybody that knows Victor knows that he's a, a front of the pack guy. He's very fast. <laughs> hey, in the last, well, in the last few minutes, I want to touch on um, a, a, another topic and that is dog etiquette. Mm. Um, oh. and, and there's two ways to look at this, dog etiquette as an owner and dog etiquette as someone that's on the I think I'd have to wear a helmet if is, I tried that. Encountering a dog. Um, I don't know where we want to stop there, Victor. I'm sure you have some, some very strong opinions on this. Well, so something that we didn't really talk much about was the choice between running tethered with your dog and the dog being off leash. So if you've got an off leash dog, your recall for that dog, being able to like get their attention, have them focus on you, not go chasing after another person or another person with their dog is paramount. I've run into more instances that I'd like to count where I was, I was in control with both Lucy and or Max. We were tethered and somebody had an off leash dog now, Lucy and Max get a little weirded out when they're tethered and they're not free to move around. So if that dog approaches us, it becomes a problem. And you get the story of like the other person saying, oh, my dog's fine. I'm like, oh, well, it's not about your dog. It's about my dog. <laughs> and so it's difficult. I mean, it would be great when I run into somebody and, I, and I'm always trying to be very, very aware of it. I will stop doesn't matter like it the stopping and the controlling of the situation is way more important than we got a workout that we're trying to get in and I'll stop and I'll ask the other person if they can get their dog um, you know hold their dog or leash their dog and then we'll safely try to maneuver and find a way to pass um, but yeah it's it's I think it's more about the human elements of the team paying attention to each other because the dogs are just gonna do with what you know it's like it's impossible to always say like, oh, why did my dog snap at that dog? Or why did that dog, you know, bum rush us? We're the ones 
who ultimately are responsible for our buddies. And, and, and I, I, I've run into you know, situations where I made the wrong choice and immediately I was like, my bad, I'm sorry, I shouldn't have done this or I shouldn't have done that. Apologize to the other person. Even if they say like, oh, it's no, it's no big deal, I don't care. It's, it's our responsibility when we're out there to make sure that we're looking after their safety. So soon my, I, I, I would like to hear from you on this, that I've noticed there's a complete different personality of Roscoe when he's off leash and when he's on leash, when he's off leash, he's the nicest behaved, stays to his business, you know, runs right past another runner coming the other direction, nose down and doing exactly what he's supposed to do. But if he's on a leash, he feels threatened. He feels he feels like, you know, I'm stuck. I better posture up and look strong because I can't run away. I don't have my superpower of running away or, or whatever he needs to do. Can you talk to us a little bit about personality of dogs on and off leash? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, I'm not a behaviorist, but, um, you know, there are certain dogs that have what's called, for lack of better terms, leash aggression. And I think part of that is exactly what you said, they're not in control. If they're afraid of something, they can't run away. You know, especially if the other dog is mm. unleashed and the fearful dog is leashed. If that unleashed dog comes even to say hello and the leashed dog is afraid, they know they can't get away, so they can become more aggressive. They'll say, well, I can't get out of the situation, so I'm gonna fight like heck to, to mm. survive. Um, or if they're tethered to their owners, they might feel like they need to protect their owners a little bit. Um, you know, again, every dog is different. So you have to know your dog and what their fears and their triggers are. Yeah. Um, and that's why what Victor said about, it's not just about my dog. You can't just be, oh, my dog's okay. He just wants to sniff yours. <laughs> Cause the other dog may really just not be able to handle that psychologically for whatever reason. And that really has to be respected. Like consent is a thing amongst dogs yeah <laughs> really, yeah you know and it's it's a safety factor you know and remembering that if your dog's on leash and their dog is off leash that they already have that that um issue right there at hand that that they're not going to be what you expect them to be because they can't get away so we have to you know acknowledge that personality change because of their being captured and, and being restricted yeah yeah i think that's good and you know sometimes some dogs need to be leashed for their own safety or the safety of others and other dogs don't. And I think the ones that don't, um, a big part of it is the training and the bonding they have with their owners. And yeah. like Victor said, you know, if you, your dog needs to understand commands, everything from with me off the trail, forward, back, or drop it. Leave it is, is probably one of the biggest safety tools that you have on the trail. Yeah. Leave it. Yeah. I mean, we, we even have um, recall names for the dogs because we've been taught that you don't want to use their name as something that is expected of them. So for Lucy, I have pup pup is her simple recall when she, because sometimes we do go off, you know, off leash um, in special places. And so if she takes off and I'm a little concerned, then I want her back, pup, pup. 
if it's a, like an emergency and I see her running towards like a, a road or something and I'm afraid that maybe for whatever reason she's not gonna realize um, bear is her emergency word and we never use that only when it's important and the training of that I mean you can go online and really look about recall and different ways to get that recall command going but um, but yeah it's, it's just one of those things that I don't know how many people invest the time into those really very important um, commands which need to be reiterated throughout the dog's life but again that first 15 months where you can't run mm -hmm. run run yeah. you're doing that training yeah you're doing exactly. that recall training exactly. and that bonding that's what those 15 months are for yeah. yeah but what can you do in those 15 months i'm not talking about breaking it down into different drills and how to teach them but how much running can you sneak in around the block one time you know should we leave them just in the house 15 months and practice there or do we do we get to run a little bit? Help us with some guidance there. No, I think you can, of course you can run. That's what dogs are meant to do. And if you look at puppies, they're running with each other. Yeah. They're taking frequent breaks, but they're running with each other and you can do that. You know, and I think a lot of the recommendations that we have in veterinary medicine are really coming out of, of labs and I mean laboratories not labrador retrievers mm -hmm. <laughs> where you know people are studying the density of bone and how long you're running and the hormone effects on bone growth and density when in reality no really nobody really knows for sure because a every dog is different yeah. um, every situation is different every substrate you're running on is different so I think if you can remember get an idea of what your dog is doing with puppies or youngsters their own age and how often they take breaks and you can say okay I see him running with buddies for seven minutes and then they take a break for five and then they run for another seven and I think that's a good way to start your training is run walk mm -hmm. run walk that, fart leg that, that is a great that's you know like Scott likes to say that's the golden nugget of the podcast that that is really good advice and, and I think that it's important too that um we need to treat you. You would never yourself go from couch to a marathon. You got to get out there and you need to slowly build up. Even after it's 15 months, you don't go out and run 10 miles with your dog. Uh, they need that, that, that build up as, as well. Their soft tissue mm -hmm. needs to, to, to strengthen. And, and I think it's important that, that we realize they're people too. <laughs> Uh, yeah. They are to some degree, <laughs> and I'm going to throw in a little vet medicine in sure. there. You know, when we're sore after a run, we drink some water, we take a hot bath, and then we take some medication sometimes to take the soreness away. Just be careful because dogs aren't small hu furry humans. Their metabolism and physiology is very different, and medication that is very benign that we take without even thinking can really hurt your dog. So always check with your vet before you give any medication when you think your dog is sore after a long run. Uh, I'm gonna check with the doctor right now. Um, what should we avoid? Is it Tylenol we should avoid or ibuprofen? Is there something that we, is in our medicine cabinet that works for us that we should stay away from completely for a dog? Yes, all of the above. Um, okay. There are some medication that is fine, but in general pain meds, um, you wanna talk to your vet or even have some canine uh, appropriate anti-inflammatories. So ibuprofen is a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory or NSAID. 
um, and ibuprofen can really hurt your dog. The margin of safety of a dose of that drug is so small that no amount is worth it. Same with Aleve, naproxen sodium. One tablet can send a dog into liver failure. Tylenol, I'm gonna say, please don't. Um, we use it in, in veterinary medicine under very special circumstances after a long conversation because it's, again, the margin of safety is very small. And, you know, there's factors that you can't quite know about your pet. Like, is it really well hydrated? And it, is it having any side effects from the medication? It's hard to really know until you've kind of been taught that. So always talk with your vet, have some tools for your dog on hand if you need it. Um, but don't give your dog your medicine what? or your friend's dog's medicine. <laughs> right. Yeah. What, what, what is the best way real quick um, uh, to, to help your dog recover after a run? Just let them rest? Rest, water, remember hydration. Mm -hmm. Water is your absolute best medicine for practically everything um, because your body can't function well if it doesn't have the fluids it needs to make the cells function. Okay. So water is really important. Um, and you know, good stretch, good yeah. little massage, a rub down, ah. you sit down and watch a movie and yeah. rub your dog down a little bit gently. And they'll let you know if they want you to go a little harder on that muscle and give you a good groan and lean into you, or if you're like, Oh no, that hurts. And they snap their head around and they just get up and walk away. <laughs> oh, my goodness. You know, it, it, listening to this, it, I wish you were my veterinarian. <laughs> and if you, if you were, what town would I need to be in to visit you? Come out to Seattle. <laughs> okay, good. What's the name of your practice? Doctor? So, so I have, I have, um, I'm a contractor. Essentially, I'm what's called a relief veterinarian. Oh yeah. So I fill in to various hospitals that will hire me because they need an extra doctor for the day, for the week, because somebody's on vacation, on maternity leave. So I get to kind of fill in all over the place, like a substitute teacher. How and fun. Uh, that gives you gives you the option to get out there and run long and do things yeah, and go on I can adventures. Take, I can and... take days where I'm sorry, I'm already booked running right. with my dog. <laughs> <laughs> or well, traveling to Switzerland to, to, to watch Victor run. <laughs> hey, hey, Victor or 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 Sunmai, are there any good books that you would recommend or video series or you know, if, if someone is has listened to this podcast and go, man. I need to do a better job with my dog, or I want to get a dog now. Are there good books out there that you would recommend um, to, to read or, or video series? So I can speak for training, not for trail running. Yep. I'm sure Victor has more advice on that. But for training, I really I tend to recommend Sophia Yin's books, Dr. Sophia Yin. Um, for puppies, she wrote, um, I think it's called... Um, training your puppy in seven days. Um, but if you Google Sophia Yin, Y-I-N, like yin and yang, you'll see her books pop up on the internet. That one and also how to behave so your dog behaves. Those are my favorite ones that Ooh. I recommend. <laughs> that that, I like that sounds like a really good one. I should read that one. Um, Perfect puppy <laughs> in seven days. That's what it is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, um, so I, I, didn't, I didn't really read I don't really read much. Um, <laughs> I, I, we, we lucked out. We found a woman who helped train Lucy because Lucy came first before Max, and we hadn't had a dog for a while before that. We were under the impression that we were going to luck out and get like a flopsy mopsy dog, and Lucy was anything but. I mean, she was a Tasmanian devil, 
And I was beside myself because I thought, well, what are we going to do? We're not going to send her back. We're going to, this is ours. So we lucked out and we found this woman, Sarah Mullen. She's in the East Bay and she helped us with all the basic stuff. And it was the perfect timing because Lucy was two months old and, you know, like all that eye contact, all that recall work was perfect. And Sarah really created like a lot of, like, like we create our own training programs for running. We take a little bit of this, a little bit of that. The things that work for us, well, you know, they were the most useful things. And again, it was just bonding with each other, us and the dog, them understanding that they're, they're following us to a huge extent. So if we're freaking out, they potentially might freak out. So we keep our cool, then it's all good in the hood. And they, they follow that. Um, for trail running, um, you know, it's just about just have fun. The same stuff that we're supposed to do when we're out trail running. We're supposed to be having fun when we're doing it ourselves. We should be having fun when we're with them, um, maybe even more so. Um, but uh, yeah, resources, I mean, Candy Cross, Google Candy Cross, you'll get so many cool things. You'll get links to, um, to really, to harnesses. You'll get links to just see the events happening. And again, I've been working closely with like Pacific Coast Trail Runs, um, another organization, Animal Run, which is um, it's a nonprofit and they raise a lot of money for animal advocacy groups in the Bay Area. Um, and they're all creating Candy Cross events. So trying to bring organized Candy Cross races to the Bay Area um, over and Folsom, there's the um, Total Body Fitness. They tend to do a number of different Candy Cross races. It's tough now because there's no events happening, but you know, but when things, you know, hopefully sooner than later swing back into action, um, those will be those will be things that people could work towards with their dogs as a goal to just experience it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's a good point with the situation with COVID, how there's no events. And I think a lot of people are worried about how to train their dogs if they can't get to a trainer. A lot of trainers, a lot of behaviorists are doing things online. Mm -hmm. um, so mm -hmm. that's another resource too. You don't have to say, okay, well, we can't do anything during COVID. No, no, you can do lots of things. Oh, yeah. There's yeah, a you know, much stuff. Blogspot um, is a wonderful trainer from the East Coast, Melissa McHugh. McGrath, she's fantastic. She's written books on dog training and um, she's got a great blog. Um, it, it, I, I've really enjoyed this conversation. Victor, I didn't oh, mean to I catch you off. Say your thing I was and, just then, gonna, and then I'll thank I you I was guys. just going to say on the tail end of what uh, Sunamaya is saying, the training never ends. It will never end. You'll always be working with them. And just when you think like, oh, my dog's perfect. They got all the commands. They, they 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 fall back they'll so, test you yeah so it, it never ends I mean, which is great it's that's you know that's how the relationships that's how relationships should be they keep you on your yeah. toes yeah i've i've had a great time discussing this and we've been we've been wanting to do this Victor, we we've been talking about this for what yeah. a couple of yeah. years and it, it took soon might to get us get us together to make this happen we really appreciate your expertise coming on and bring your your credentials and and Victor's experience and and you guys made a great team together here. Oh, this was so exciting! Thank you so much for including was, me. Thank you, it thank was you a guys. Lot of fun. Thank you, appreciate it. Hey, and before we leave, we want to of course mention um, Victor's Victory Sport Design. If you go to VictorySportDesign.com, he has a company that he's formed that uh, has bags. 
aid station bags and 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 you could you could use them for your uh furry friends too right ab- ab- absolutely so i mean check out the website we use bags to keep all of the dog stuff super organized that's what they're all about they're bags that are organized in a way that i don't think very many other bags are and um so it's a perfect go bag for your dog you have your harness you have your food you have your water your bowls everything jump in the car go to a trailhead and you'll be set and if you guys don't mind me mentioning there's a coupon code for anyone watching the podcast it is uh trn pups 15 percent off select items so please go check it out if i may mention you know it sounded like there if you have a dog you need this but scott tell me your favorite and your best your go-to travel bag when you're it's, going out it's of town sitting right here and i th- I think it's called the bear. Is that the big one? It's called the Kodiak. It's called the, the backpack Kodiak. one. The there's, large... there's the Kodiak and there's the bear. They're both great. <laughs> and drop bags. I wanted to talk about the Kodiak, the travel bag, but the drop yeah. bags too. They're, they're great. They have, they have glow, uh, glow in the dark zipper. So you know, right where to put it. They've got pouches for everything. And, and, and because, um, Victor is a, an ultra runner and does the long stuff. He knows all the little pouches and all the things you need. And when you open a bag, you want to see through the, the packages and not open it up to discover where it is. Everything is transparent. It's just a very, very good product. And it's, it's easy to share a, a friend's design when you love it. Thanks. And it's really good, Victor. You've done a Thanks great job. Thanks, you guys. Job. appreciate that. VictorySportDesign.com. Yeah. And the code is? T R N pups. Pups. There you can you can remember that. <laughs> so, something tells me you just made that up. No. <laughs> it's always been hey, that, huh? Oh yeah, it's all done. It's ready. It's it's waiting for people to just go blip, 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 take it away. Soon my vo thank thank Soon my. Thank you so much Soon my for joining us tonight. Thank you. It. Wonderful to see you guys. Go out and run with your dog. Must. <laughs>